yeah. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to Phil's Recap and Review, Better Call Saul, Season 4, Episode 8, Kushita? I'm not going to try to pretend I know exactly the way to pronounce that episode title, but I did my best. But what an episode of Better Call Saul. There are so many great episodes, and I think some episodes touch people in different ways. People touch people in different ways. But some episodes touch people in different ways as the season has gone on. But there's so many different great episodes. This was a classic Better Call Saul episode. It really moved the story forward to Jimmy. You saw all those initial amazing points. The philosophy or the perspective that I think a bunch of us have that Gus and Mike are just going to kill all the Germans. I think that storyline progressed with that. The Mike storyline's interesting. Nacho makes this show better with the without Michael McKeon on it. I'm not saying the show has not been as great without him. It's, it's some fucking amazing episodes. But... When Nacho is in there and adding screen time and adding dynamics, it gives the show even an extra edge bringing into it. I loved all the Nacho moments. He just, he's killing it as well. Overall, I I definitely loved this episode. If I'm ranking this season, this would be in the upper half of those episodes, right up there with episode three, and I think it's episode five as well. I'd have to go back and rewatch, but I had a lot of fun in this. Seeing Jim and Kimmy, Jim and Kimmy, I keep saying that, Jimmy and Kimmy, Jim and, <laughs> Jimmy and Kim come together right now over, over a messed up situation, over conning people. Hi, everybody. Here I am. It really felt good, and I love seeing Kim, and I love how, just like in life, when we see two people having problems in a relationship, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's the end, and I like how the show is kind of pointing to the direction that their relationship is basically going to be over, but then it threw a loop because life is weird, and Kim is being taught all these lessons in weird moments, and Judge Neelix is back too. Wait, I don't know, Neelix just pops into my head, and I look, and I don't know, I dressed up like Luigi, Luigi tonight for some reason. I can't quite explain it. I will say this is going to be a shorter recap and review than usual. I need to get up really early in the morning. To go to, well, I mean, you guys don't even want to hear it, but I, but I have to get up and do some, some do some hairy shit tomorrow morning. Hairy shit? Do, am I getting my hair cut? No. <laughs> so I'm going to try to keep things as quick as possible tonight, and we all know that means I'm, I'm going to end up doing three hours. But no, I'm going to try to keep things quick as possible. So I really do appreciate everyone that's popped on in here right now. And of course, I'm not alone. Joe Dirty Locks isn't with us this week. He will be back next week to give his final thoughts on Better Call Saul since he won't be able to join us for the finale. But I'm never alone when I have with me the live mother fucking chat. Holy shit. We got DJ Better, who I hope you did well in your audition and broke some motherfucking legs. We got Corey Mitchell. We got Joseph. Judge Neelix returns. The, the return of Neelix. I don't know why I had to say it like I'm a fucking robot, but I said it that way. Chris says, this was one of the most enjoyable episodes in a while. It was so fun to watch Kim and Jimmy scheme together. They're such a great team. It's a dynamic duel of schemery, schemosity. A lot of crap is going on, and I love seeing them, and I love seeing you guys, and I'm so happy to be out here and talking to you. Blah. Watch out for the demons, everybody. Give me a second. Okay, and Jimmy's haunted by his demons, too. I like... I just love the I love the whole experience, the whole journey with Bob Odenkirk's character in this episode. 
seeing it from his perspective, seeing what we see from Kim, and I thought I was reading through the whole episode of her being, I'm done with Jimmy, but really she's trying to question who she is, not just in this relationship, but in this part of her being a lawyer. And I think we've said this many times this season, if last season was Chuck's, the whole series is Jimmy's, is is Saul's, but if we're taking these secondary characters and pointing out that some of the early seasons as side characters were definitely Mike-focused, Mike continues to be the second lead on this show, but ultimately we've had certain seasons dedicated toward, towards certain directions. Last season was definitely Chuck-heavy. This is Kim-heavy, and she's doing a lot of really awesome heavy lifting in this episode and in this season, and showing a lot of varied emotions and coming to play. Uh, I really am impressed by her as an actress this season, because I knew after a few seasons here, Odenkirk could do it, and there's so many other great things, and, and obviously Jonathan Banks is Mike Aaron Trout, and a lot of the other aspects of just the universe and the textures that Vince Gilligan and his team and Peter Gould and their whole team bring in with the writing and the and the the photography and how it all looks. But with the acting, it's just Kim never really impressed me too much in the first couple of seasons. But this season, she is killing it. And fuck yeah. I, I loved her in this episode. I loved seeing her lawyer people. And I loved that this was her scheme that she put together. And when she runs into the into the vestibule or whatever. Is that the, a vestibule? I, I don't even know if that's the correct word, but that popped up. Phil, I think you're making up words again. I don't think I'm making up words. Well, whatever they call that stuff on the, on the stairs, you know, the, the levels of the stairs at each level, like outside. Of, is it a vestor? Am I saying the wrong thing? You're always saying the wrong thing, you dumbass. I mean, it's true I am, but that's beside the point. And let's go into the live motherfucking chat again. We got Hendrix. What's up, Hendrix? What's up, Hannibal? Bernie the Burnt. Those Germans will be in the concrete. I said that last week. Joe was poo-pooing it. He was the spreading the, spread the cheeks of television shame. Nope, nope, nope. I don't see that. I'm seeing it. I saw it again tonight. I think I think those Germans are not long for this world. Mm -mm -mm. Bob Odenkirk is about as sexy as a trout, though. That's my only complaint. I, I, I see that. It's it's tough. Uh, Kim is still the realist. You know Kim is a boss bitch in prison somewhere during Breaking Bad. That's an interesting perspective, Bernie. Because everyone, including myself, always assume that Kim leaves Jimmy at some point. That their relationship reaches an end conclusion where... And, I, and I've been saying this all season long. And, it, and may, maybe I'm wrong. And I hope I'm wrong because that's what's great about a show. When, when I can stay here and go blah, 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 blah. And it's something I didn't expect. I didn't expect this turn on Kim in this episode. I didn't... I thought her scheme when she said at the end of the last episode would be a little bit more by the books. I wasn't quite expecting this to be so detailed and layered. And then when it all was over, forget all that. Maybe if she was going to do it, I'd expect it to be very detailed because she's going to make sure she crosses all her T's and dots all her I's. But <laughs> I feel like I felt, felt like my uh, second grade middle school teacher there. My second grade middle school teacher there. What? My second grade teacher, my second grade reading teacher. But I, I was not expecting her to enjoy it so much and to get off on it. I mean, we've seen her do that in the past, but this was high stakes. This was, this kind of combined a lot of things. She really wanted to give it to that other, to the district attorney. 
And when she has a weapon as sharp as Jimmy to use and add to her whole scheme, it's just the perfect combination. But the end game of her situation could be that she ends up in prison for Jimmy. That, or not for Jimmy, that because of Jimmy's influence, she takes more and more risks and breaks bad herself and ends up kicking ass in a woman's prison. Or her and Jimmy are still together while she's at prison and the prison is in is in where Cinnabon South stuff is there. Or she's gone home and, I mean, a lot of things could happen that aren't as simple as what I thought was going to happen where she decides to go to the straight and narrow and Jimmy's just a little bit too much. But I, I think it's a little bit an opposite. She's getting used to the fact that this is just who he is and might as well use it to my advantage and get some rights wronged. Or at least have some funds and fuck with the system, which is going to normalize it for Jimmy, which is equal, e going to equal the Saul Goodman factor. And I love it. And again, why this is such a great episode and the relationship between Jim and Kimmy, it's constantly evolving like a real fucking relationship. It's not just a stuck in the mud situation. And I, I can't say how much I enjoy that, that I can't quite predict where the situation is going with the two of them. And I know some people, some Breaking Bad purists or story-driven people, be like, ah, yeah, okay. I know they don't, they only end up don't they don't end up together. And I don't want to believe that exactly, or I cannot believe that to the truest extent. I think most likely people are right with that that it doesn't really matter with Kim and Jimmy's relationship. But how much do we did we really know about Saul Goodman during the Breaking Bad era? Not much other than a couple of highlights. We know what he said and we know what we know of Jimmy now and what we could figure out then too is he's just a fucking liar. He's just someone that's going to say anything to survive in a moment. So when he says things like my two ex-wives and blah, 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 all of that's bullshit. He could, and I said this from the beginning and it's weird. He could still be with Kim in the Breaking Bad time and leaving her. And we're eventually going to see her in the Gene era when she meets up with him or something. I mean, who knows? I don't think they're still together. I still believe that something drives them apart, whether it's Kim going to prison. But I think this opens up a lot more possibilities seeing Kim really play with fire here and getting way more into the situation. And again, it just excellently done. The editing in this episode and the editing in this season just in general has been so good. These little montages, I I can't speak for everyone because some people are going to find them are going to love them. Some people maybe are going, okay, there's too many of them. I You you can't have enough of the way that they're putting together these little quick edits with the... You know, these little... What, the, what was I doing? Who, who knows? Who cares? But I've been enjoying them so much. and Each one's different enough. It's not like a Sons of Anarchy thing where at the end of every episode of Sons of Anarchy for the last three seasons of it, they ended it with a music montage going through each single character and making you remember. No, they're doing different versions of the Sam shit montage from Game of Thrones. And it's different kind of things like that. Pop, pop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. And they're finding new cool ways to do it. And I like that that's become a natural mainstay for the show now. And it was it was for Breaking Bad as well with Cooking Meth. And I like how, how that stuck to it. I love how they, they found a way to kind of keep doing the same thing that they did so well 
in the early part of Breaking Bad and made it a constant in the later part of Better Call Saul. It kind of creeped in there, if I remember correctly. There was a couple of moments here and there in the early seasons, and then last season they had a couple of big moments with a couple of sections put together. And this season, it's been I feel like there's been one and no feel like there has been one in almost every episode. So let me go. Ooh, Jason Voorhees giving Kim the biggest compliment Jason can say that Kim reminds me of his mom. Jason, said, Jason, you're such a good boy. Jason, you're such a good boy. <laughs> hey, dog. Bless you, man. Bless you, my friend. I eat steak high. You got to eat steak high. Oh, we're scrolling through the live motherfucking chat. I don't, we have uh, lots of folks in the live motherfucking chat tonight. Hendrix, Bernie, great to see you. Alex, Kim is still the realest. Bernie, you know Kim's boss bitch. Blowfish, here we go. Thought Kim and Jimmy were going to go down two separate paths. Jimmy would go clean and she leaves him or Jimmy would get her in trouble. But no, it seems like Kim is going to get herself into trouble. Exactly, Blowfish. And... I keep saying, I've said it a few times here, and I'll probably say it a bunch before the end of the review too. I love how this show can surprise me, even though I think that I, even it lulls you into a sense of, under, think you understand where characters are going. But we just knew that Kim was in deep thought, considering options. We didn't exactly know where her mind was at. And something like this is the just the corruption point that Jimmy needed to set her off into a good direction. <laughs> this go down in his line of the his back alley back alley's thing but by allowing her to come in his come in his alley <laughs> i don't feel feel the so good man it's gonna get her in trouble and that's gonna lead her to have to separate herself from jimmy because the not the i still think that kim has two more episodes on this show and next season Kim will not be on the show but this the events of tonight's episode makes me question that a little bit so we shall see I guess I just believe that next season is going to be the last season and a big chunk of it is going to be him as Saul Goodman and seeing that gap bridging <laughs> me always with bridging the gaps the gaps need to bridge <laughs> I don't think that means what you think it means well shut up and eat a peanut fuckers Sherman, uh, Sherman, Sherman, Sherman. Her stuff's in that shoebox. Oh, exactly, Bernie. The the shoebox that he gets out of the wall. That that is another sign that somehow he's going to see Kim again. He's gonna see you again. I, I don't even know what song I'm trying to sing there. I'm in a weird mood. <laughs> Second grade was the best four years of Phil's life. Six, and it was third grade. Actually, different story for a different day, Chris. <laughs> yeah, they still couldn't get together. Kim reminds me of my mom. Not that I'm invested in their cold-ass relationship. Uh, Thisby says, this is what I love about you, Phil. I come to the stream excited that we finally meet Lau, and you're so invested with the relationship between Jimmy and, Jim and Kim. I, I know, I hear you. It just really excited me tonight. And that end part of the episode was really cool too to see that connection and see another character and see all the pieces start to come together which is really neat and I love all the prequel Breaking Bad stuff that we're getting leading into but and I expect more of that especially next season and it's great great to see that down on the ground running but it's 
but I gotta gotta admit the Kim in the, the I was gonna do it again. The Kimmy and the Jimmy stuff was really exciting me tonight. The Kimmy Gibbler shit was was getting me getting me getting me turned on tonight. That would be the ultimate twist having them together during Breaking Bad. It would not be inconsistent with Breaking Bad canon either. Exactly, Joseph, because we just don't know enough about Saul. They kept it so vague with him as a character because they never knew they were going to develop him this much that he was almost a caricature on that show and everything that we know about what Jimmy's doing, Kim could exist in that universe. And we just don't know it. We don't know what he does all the time. We're focused around much or much different circle or completely different circle and we never really go down that road. Saul is not a perspective character in Breaking Bad. so But I doubt it. I can't believe there's only two more episodes left, says Heineken. I don't want to wrap it up. There's not enough time. Nothing else on TV as par with this show. Right now, for me, I'm the same way. I'm hoping that some other shows are going to excite me soon. And I'm going to look back to some other stuff as as I get through my move at the end of November and between between now and then in October, there's some other show coming back that I'm not I'm not very excited about that we're going to be talking about. But we got to find some other good shows to talk about, too. And we will. And obviously, Game of Thrones is a fucking coming. But Better Call Saul, to me, the last couple of seasons has been my favorite show on TV. I kn- again, this season, and I'm not saying anything bad about season one or two. I'm just saying where my mind was, it would still probably would be up there as well as some of my favorite things. But easily, like without even question, season three and now season four of Better Call Saul have been some of my favorite shit ever you see every year on television. And favorite stuff to talk about and babble even though I do enjoy taking the piss out of the Walking Dead sometimes and talking about shit TV. And I always love talking about Game of Thrones and I've had a lot of fun with Westworld too. But Better Call Saul... I don't know. There's just something. There's just something about it that appeals to me. That appeals to me. I don't give a fuck about anybody else. I'm like, I'm like, fuck you guys. You know, you, you can like, you don't want to like better better call Saul. Okay. Yeah. So, the, that's like your opinion, dude. Luigi. You know, I, I I I have nothing to say. It's just I know that this show is candy. Is television candy for me? Hey, hey, dog. Great to see you. I cannot believe there's two episodes left. I'm very, very bad. Anyone get any P- PCP? <laughs> Primary care physicians? You, you need a you need a referral, Mike? <laughs> Mike needs a primary care physician referral. If anyone wants to do that, you can uh, you can send it to him in the chat. Feel free to share uh, share location. <laughs> Great to see you, Mike. The ultimate swerve is Kimmy Woods. It would be interesting if they went that direction, uh, Jason. It's... <laughs> We didn't start the fire. Maybe she's driven the minivan to freedom. <laughs> Out of my data for my burner. We got the biggie in the live chat. Crazy 8 goes to Hank in episode 8, 9, or 10. Uh, Hank is definitely a possibility to be popping up anytime. <laughs> Ozark is damn fucking good too. Melly McGill says tonight's episode is one of my top two in the series. I would definitely, I'd have to think about the whole series as a whole when it's all said and done. But this is definitely in my upper echelon this season and one of my favorite just i had so much fun with this fucking episode <laughs> ozark jason ozark season two is would be up there too at the end of the year when i'm talking my favorite seasons of television ozark season two will be definitely on that list and anyone who hasn't watched ozark i feel like i need to mention it in every better call saul podcast simply because as i mentioned it ha- it's connected the the showrunner is connected to the 
Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul universe as a writer or a director. I need to double check that. But it's a, it's a great show. And if you haven't watched Ozark, I highly recommend it. Lindsay C., great to see you. Lindsay C., you're just in time. Just in fucking time for me to stall for a second. And me to move this up here. <laughs> and go over here because we gotta got to go a little quicker than usual. And get into this. Recap! Oh, that felt good. Getting the recap out. Let's open this up. Yeah, Ozark season two is fucking great. It it is much better. Not much better. It's. I mean, I every time I say that, I think I I think I'm bashing Ozark season two. I mean season one by saying season two so good, but season two is like a step up better. Mm-mm-mm. It just works better for me. Heineken. You'll be here with your Walking Dead. We'll be here with you with the Walking Dead, but it won't be as good. And this in Game of Thrones is so fucking far away. This who says, and Nacho and his father's ID card, it said that they were from Manitoba. Ozark is a good show. If you love Breaking Bad, you will love Ozark, says Melly. And I, I feel confident saying that as well, too. Ozark is a hard show. Now, I'm going to say this, and someone's going to come up to me. Well, I fucking hate it. I'll say Ozark is a hard show not to like if you're into, into Breaking Bad and into the... Just good, gritty TV. <laughs> Perfect. I got distracted, so I didn't catch the whole episode. Looking forward to the recap. I binge-watched The Wire again the other day because you talked about it on your freaking walk with your dog the other day. <laughs> good. I'm, gl- I'm glad I made you binge-watch The Wire. That's a great binge-watch series. I- and I, contrary to the popular belief of some people, I, I definitely enjoy all the seasons of The Wire. Even, se- even season two in the dock. I think that's a very underrated season. But bump, bump, bump. I am wearing a Super Mario Brothers onesie. Sorry about that. It's cold. It's a, it's like already too cold for me. I'm I'm getting ready for I'm getting ready for the winter early by jumping in a Super Mario Brothers <laughs> onesie. So here we go. Let's continue with this shit. <laughs> so we open up to a trunk and. Saul is leaving, Jimmy is leaving, and he's very thankful and apologetic at the same time. And he's heading to what it looks like Houston or something, but I mean we all know that watch the episode at the end where this ends up going, but it's it's really cool the way this leads in is you're not sure exactly what's happening or where he's going with this or where Kim's plan is. I like how it's uncovered uncovered. Instead of hearing Kim tell us so many shows will get to someone doing a voiceover while we see some action happening, but not this show. This show doesn't have to do this because they're so good with nonverbal acting and nonverbal storytelling through the setup and the scene and the music and the, and the way they move things along. The way that I've talked about this before, I, I love scores. I love shows like Game of Thrones and Westworld that really have a score that drives the action on screen. It's really important for for what those shows are doing. Better Call Saul uses music in a very different way. And I, and I 
think both both methods are excellently done. And sometimes whatever the music is itself is an afterthought. It sounds like elevator music or something like that that's going on. But it really works to what they're trying to do in the scene. And and Jimmy in this moment, and Bob Odenkirk got to do so much fucking comedy in this episode. So much classic, just Bob Odenkirk. He almost seemed on the bus at times, like John Candy and Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. We're selling shower curtain rings and stuff. I just I love that they gave that I, that they're giving Odenkirk a lot more funny stuff to do as he's leading more into the character that we know of in the Breaking Bad universe and being that kind of funny character. So let's listen to a little bit at the beginning here of of uh, of of what I'm talking about. Figure it out anyway. You're back on Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, unless we break down in Amarillo. Bernie, I hear you. It's not, it's not for everybody. Kim, I want you to know, um, I don't take this for granted. It means a lot. I'll see you Thursday. what i mean it's sort of just the music there's an afterthought it's really cool i mean i enjoy that kind of music just to chill to or play in the background but but it really is kind of an afterthought when it comes down to what's going on in the scene and then we get to see him on the bus having some fun with the pickup music picking up pencils moving pencils uh, licking envelopes, keeping writing, licking, moving. God, I love the editing. The time travel or traveling with great piano music as he takes his sweatshirt off and then he asks, uh, someone asks if he can sit next to him and Jimmy has this response. I love this shit so much. Uh, sure, man. Uh, I was just, word of warning, uh, I had a pile of cheese chili fries back at Stucky's with onions on top. The last guy who sat here didn't last five miles, but... Uh, Has anyone in the chat done something similar to this, being on a bus or a train or a subway or whatever, and either acted crazy, tried to mess yourself up a little bit, or or hopefully enhanced one of your body odor, like, uh, 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 something like just to avoid to have people sitting next to you? Just just curious. <laughs> not, what, not because you're scheming to uh, scheme the law system but i've definitely insert in some situations acted crazier than i am to have if i'm not in a mood to sit next to people in a in a confined public transportation situation i i'm not afraid to do that i i can't i can't lie in 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 my youth in my youth i i've i've played that i played that trick a little bit a few times I haven't tried the body odor situation or say that I have to br break wind or, or pass some gas or, or any situation like that. But I wouldn't be opposed to it is all I'm saying. And I think this is a wonderful, wonderful plan by Jimmy because public transportation can be a pain in the ass when people want to sit next to you. Welcome to it. What's up, Casey Atheist? Great to see you, buddy. Three coins in a fountain. Each throne by special levels. 
Hannibal was on a Greyhound in Springfield when OJ was acquitted. Melly says, so cool how Jimmy is able to get all those people in the bus writing the letters for a couple of bucks, of course. Absolutely. And this is this is the moment where I said that no, nothing compared to to John Candy, or it's not exactly a one-for-one one comparison, but for some reason during the scene, I kept thinking of planes, trains, and automobiles, and John Candy selling all the shower curtain rings at the train at the bus station or train station, and it it just made me laugh in the sense of Odenkirk could play a character. Not I'm not no I'm not saying reboot, but blah, blah, blah. I'm saying Bob Odenkirk could play a very interesting similar kind of character someone that's super fucking annoying but has a big deep heart that you end up caring about him and this is one of those things that after Better Call Saul is done and maybe this is a question or something we should talk about more next season but I just want to put it out here that I hope Bob Odenkirk gets gets some more opportunities now that he's shown he has a different gear to to carry things and and get another show or get another big thing as I mentioned last week, and if someone didn't hear it, speaking of the Breaking Bad Better Call Saul family, uh, Jesse Pinkman, Aaron Paul has been added as a main cast member, I believe, for next season of Westworld. So you will get to see Jesse Pinkman on your screen very soon. Or Well, not just Jesse Pinkman, but you know what I mean. It is. And I, and I love seeing him go all just he own people very quickly. And now he starts getting lots of helpers. Very nice. I like the hearts over the eyes. This is a real nice touch. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is one of my favorite movies of all time. I think, I think a lot of my favorite comedy movies of that era are Steve Martin and or, or Steve Martin movies. So he has a lot to do with it. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is another one. And what do these what do these things have to do with Better Call Saul? I think they're elements of Saul Goodman. I think Steve Martin or I can see some sort of connecting tissue of John Candy and his conban ways and that and definitely planes, trains and automobiles. It opened me up for the love of, uh, of watching a con man. And Saul Goodman is a is a product of of that kind of uh, of Steve Martin's kind of pompous. Whoop, 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 whoop. So Steve Martin is always is always relevant. Uh, Roxanne's a great, great fucking movie. <laughs> I was going to start singing like Sting, but no one wants to hear that. Wouldn't want to fool you. <laughs> Not going to embarrass myself like that. Are you going to do another Planes, Trains, and uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles episode for Thanksgiving? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I could do another. <laughs> Make it just a tradition where I watch Planes, Trains, and Automobiles every Thanksgiving. This Thanksgiving is going to be a little weird as that's basically the week I'm going to be moving. So maybe not this year, but it will be this semi-annual next one. Or maybe I'll find an excuse to do a live watch of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles as the first thing in the new place or something like that. Because it it's it's a, it's a movie that's worth a actual live watch stream. Ooh, The Jerk. Another great Steve Martin movie. He just has so many classics. And he's just such a talented fuck. I think, again, I'm not... Quick pause. Sorry, Better Call Saul fans. Let's, we got to go to a quick pause to talk about how awesome Steve Martin is. Because he's also an extremely amazing writer. Some of the plays he's written are very funny. Uh, one that I really like is Picasso at the Lapin Ar- Argyle, I think it's called, or something. It's about a fictitious meeting between uh, Picasso and Einstein. And spoiler alert, Elvis shows up too. And it's uh, it's, ve- it's very funny. It's very well written. I, ve- I enjoy it a lot. But anyways, 
And then he plays the fucking banjo all awesome and shit. Like, he's one of the best. Maybe he's not one of the best banjo players. I don't listen to a lot of banjo, but I know that he's freaking good on it at least. He's better than I am. I mean, he's better than any guitar player I know, unless they're playing a gitcho. You know, he knows what he's doing. Everybody, a gitcho is a is a guitar <laughs> that you can play it, and it sounds like a banjo. Uh, Hannibal might be able to tell me better more than I. I'm not sure if it has six strings or it has like four strings, or he's like, I don't even know what the fuck you're talking about, asshole. But they, there's something called a gitcho that's a that creates a banjo sound, but it's basically you play it like a guitar, but because a banjo setup's a little bit different. But anyway, Steve Martin rocks in the banjo. Yeah, banjo's fucking awesome. Get shows are cool too, but they're cheats. <laughs> it's fine. Cheating's okay. It's like when a keyboard player plays horn parts. It sounds good, but it's fucking cheating. Get get some horn players. <laughs> Anyways, who's not cheating is Jimmy. Jimmy, don't cheat. Alrighty. Would you like to do some postcards? It's 50 cents per. Different pens, please. Oh, Bubba. Hey. Okay. I like your passion, but uh, would you just maybe tone down the anger? Make it that you're you're sad. Yeah, Jimmy is just. I saw Bernie's comment from a second ago. Jimmy is dumb like a fox. I guess that is. He's lucky dumb or he's smart dumb. He's got street smarts and good instincts, but there's definitely some sort of screw missing. What time is it? I, I'm like a, a gremlin tonight. I can't I can't eat or drink after midnight. So so I have some water here and, I, and I'm trying to make it last. I got, I got 40 more minutes to, uh, to eat or drink anything. So I need to go like, Eat a meatball sub or something like that. <laughs> to even have to write the letter. I couldn't believe people could be so heartless until I heard about you. Okay? Okay, yeah, I got you. How many we got? Five. Would you like another batch? Yeah. Yeah. Alright. Different uh, pens. Uh Chastity, let's see what you've got. Uh, don't don't use uh, swears. It's just really fun watching these kind of scenes and listening to him go quick interaction with a lot of different people. Those quick improvs, those quick little moves, different takes that he has on things, it, different co color, word color choices that he gives really work exceptionally. And they edit it to perfection with Bob Odenkirk. And sometimes... Just like anything, sometimes it works even better than other times. This happens to be one of those episodes where everything just came together perfectly for me. Anyways. Mm -mm. <laughs> Uh-oh, the hairy situation in your asshole, Phil Godspeed. No, 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 no. Not, not, not in the butthole, down the throat, down the throat. Fuck it. I mean, like, I did, just didn't want to, like, bore you guys. It's nothing to worry about or anything too horrible. I have to get an endoscopy tomorrow, so I have to, uh, I can't eat or drink after midnight. And I, I don't have to drink the big, the disgusting mixture crap. No, no, not that. If you ever, if anyone wants to go back, there's an old podcast. Uh, you can hear about my first ever experience with that. I forget what number it is. I think it's episode 120 something or whatever. But, uh. If anyone wants to check check that shit out, I think it's called a poo poo day. It has, it has an episode title, but no, this is just just the just the endo. Just someone fucking my mouth, not my ass tomorrow. So, to two doctors fucking my mouth. It's uh, it's nothing. To, no, no worries. 
It's just you're not supposed to eat or drink after midnight. So I'm a fucking mugwai. I called myself a gremlin, but to be completely accurate about the situation, I'm actually more mugwai than than uh, the gremlin in this in this description. Anyways, so yeah, no, I'm having a procedure. It should it should go well. So don't anything anyway. I digress and continue. No one wants to hear about my 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 throat being fucked. So, uh, <laughs> uh, different topic for a different day. I'm about to go down like this whole uh, medical rabbit hole here. So I'm start. Uh, okay, so uh, he collects all these signatures or what seems like signatures, but what he's really doing, we find out later, is getting all these people to write letters and stop at the post office. Then a truck pulls in, a camera zooms out. It's a nice slow in as as Jimmy goes to a post office in the middle of nowhere, sits and mails it, everything or sits well after he mails everything at the post office. A dog looks at him. And I love how the intro, I love how the intro segment, the Better Call Saul intro, is always so lo-fi. It looks like it was shot on 80s SVHS tape or something. Yeah, Bernie, they're fun. Every, everyone has to have one eventually. They're, they're, uh, they're, uh, it's, it's, it's a good, good, good flush or something. <laughs> Robin Williams has a couple of funny bits about, uh, colonoscopies. Uh, so, <laughs> and I, we're back in, in the next season. See, I want to end up, while I'm stopping myself, you can tell when I wanted to go down and rant. I'm like, stop rant. Beep, beep. Stay, beep, beep, stay, beep, beep, stay on topic, beep, beep. <laughs> so we're back in and not just holding a poker trip. Hey, someone's handing over some cash and the dude's a little light. Uh, this never goes good. He's like, oh, you know, listen, uh, I'll have my money next, your money next time. Light, yo. Couldn't do nothing about it. Some dumbass festival over at the fairground, Indian shit. Five O's all over, but not real five O like the rentals. But you can't sell in front of them neither. We're going to make you right next time. You got them right, you are. For sure. Next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Come here. Oh, with interest. So Nacho grabs one of his earrings, rips it out of his head, and says, No, you owe money and interest. Listen, bitch, don't come in here and say you're light. Pay me, motherfucker. Dude leaves and his pal's like, Well, you gotta do it. And Nacho's like, Why didn't you do it? This isn't for me to do. This is for my, you're, you're my guy to do this. And we get to see where that concludes at the end of the episode. So next, someone's getting home and it's Nacho. We're back with him. We see an apartment with two girls watching TV. Uh, we, or t we, see his, we see his sister wives. Hey, baby. You're in early. You in for the night? Want us to make you some dinner? I'm looking forward to that part, Birdie. Thanks, babe. Thanks for giving me drugs. Can you smoke with us? Cushata, LA. It's a cool place. Thank you, Melly McGill. So he goes into the other room. <laughs> Bernie. <laughs> oh, I love it. Ber Bernie, Hannibal, Melly, Joseph, all you guys in the live motherfucking chat right now. Huge thanks to all of you guys for being awesome. And let's say a big thanks to Lindsay, Melly, Joseph, Hannibal, and Bernie. Thank you to everybody. And thank you to everyone that pops on in. Let me turn that down. So 
they bring in where are we? Okay, so he's we're, he's in an apartment. He's putting his cash away in a in a safe that he has. He drops in some IDs. He looks at them. He has his. We see him and his dad IDs and some dark music plays. And get a good look at the IDs. If anyone, if there's anything specific to notice there, and the. I just love the lighting that they're shooting Nacho in. They're shooting him in a dark, sort of shadowy kind of thing uh, to see that he's on the dark side now or he's stuck within all of this. I, I like it. Again, I like all those little subtle touches. There, He used to be shot in much sharper of a light. Now he's a little dark because they said, are you using with us? So maybe he's using meth a little bit more and his head's not quite on straight. I don't know. And DJ Better's in the live motherfucking chat. <laughs> Lindsay says, not just a slut. <laughs> He's got his two sister wives. And we get the we get the impression that it's been a again more of the eleven months thing. We see the scars from his wounds from his uh from his accident. Good to see everyone in the live chat tonight. Thank you guys. Hope your fake IDs Manitoba, Canada's driver's license. Thank you, Jeffrey Townsend. So I think you said that earlier in the chat or someone said it earlier in the chat too. And I was trying to goat you guys. I, I don't have the goat. I'm not uh, Doran Martel. But I was trying to uh, goat you, goat you, <laughs> into <laughs> into uh, saying it. So thank you again. Bernie, yes, several times life I was a drug rep, the legal kind. Now, fake IDs, Manitoba, Canada, driver's licenses. So uh, ways to escape this situation if possible, which would. Which I I thought that's what it meant, but I didn't know if there were any specifics to it. So thank you. As always, I would be nothing without the live motherfucking chat. Now I'm yelling weirdly. Yeah, live motherfucking chat. So he puts the cash away, and I love the light that they're shooting him in. So now we get into... At first, what I thought was happening was that they brought the strippers to the warehouse. But instead, they brought the... First, what I thought they'd bring him to the mountain, and they, but instead they brought the they brought the mountain to him, but the other way around, they brought them to a strip club out to party. So it's adult time as everyone's hanging out at the strip club, and Mike in his, in his buddy Vana, start having a talk, and this guy really thinks he's bonding with Mike. You almost feel bad for this German that he's very very dead. And if you didn't think he was going to be a very, very dead boy, very, very dead Vana in the, in a serial Pharrell voice that I can't do, and I don't want to embarrass myself too much here, or more so than usual, and I says the guy sitting in the Luigi, Luigi onesies. But I feel it's almost that uncomfortable, like, oh, you're, you're so dead and you don't see it yet. There was a moment where Varner kind of realized that he's not oh, wow, uh, this could end badly for me. But I, I don't think he actually is grasping what's about to happen to him. And uh, the, the, this is just a bunch of dead guys here. This is just, this is just a bunch of dead Germans happening here. It's dead German, dead Germans walking on the, uh, in front of Mike Ehrmantraut. It's, it's not, it's not, it's not going to be pretty here. So... Yeah, I thought that we were going to bring the guy some prostitutes or bring them some strippers there and set up the whole thing. Uh, get, get a couple of delivery trucks of some strippers. 
Thank God Nacho's scar reveal wasn't anything gratuitous, like a Mayan standing over a dead guy's shirt, taking off, taking off BS. I have not been caught up with Mayans. Oh, gosh. Have, have you been carrying, carrying along? I'm not going to read your comments, Bernie, but feel free to troll. Uh, tr I was going to say flame. I said I was going to say tr somehow troll came up. Feel, feel free to burn up the chat, letting me know how if it's still as poor or I should be going back to it or you're still not feeling it because you kind of were feeling almost exactly how I was feeling about that show. So let me continue. <laughs> Mike shutting Kai down at an extra 20 years to my life expectancy. Oh, you stopped too. Okay, cool. Cool. Good. I'm glad you stopped that shit because that shit wasn't good for either of us. It really wasn't. It was soiling the whole thing. It's sad. Let's just pretend it didn't happen. You know, let there's going to be people that are going to like it. We're not those people. It's fine. We'll we'll get we'll get, I'm going to give it another chance at some point in time. I don't want to group you in with me for everything. Like we're Bernie and I are done. We're we're going to we'll give it another shot later on. <laughs> it's terrible. Terrible. Uh, a bigger problem, Jeffrey Townsend said a bigger problem is that the Germans are going to come down with an STD, infect the whole thing. Uh, I think you're on to something. I think that's what I think that's why the uh, Walter ultimately becomes so crazed about that fly. You know, he heard rumors through Gus. Oh, my God. You guys are amazing. You guys are amazing in the live chat. So. They bring in strippers for the guy to party. Mike and this his his buddy have a have a talk. We learn a little bit more about Mike's debt, Mike's family, and Mike's upbringing through all of this. Did you know Michael? My father was also an engineer. Yeah, worked from the day he could hold a hammer. Learned the work from doing the work. Hands like knots of a tree. Actually, Bernie, uh, not Bernie. DJ makes an excellent point that if. <laughs> that if uh, if Mike was going to bring them prostitutes, he would definitely check them out and get get some blood tests. Make sure there's some birth control and blood tests going on in that situation. I I definitely think so because I think Mike is he 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 checks he checks things out. You know he uh, Mike would Mike would do this to them. He'd. <laughs> So he'd take them down to the local clinic and make sure it's safe for the Germans to put. No. But he, but I think he would definitely check things out. He'd inspect them. He he'd give them tests. He'd take them to the doctors. I don't, I don't want to make this too crude, but he would really he would get make sure they have. Or Mike gives them rubbers. It's true, uh, but Mike would make sure he checked out that situation for sure. No, no doubt, he would have them certified. I agree. <laughs> he would go. He would. He would. He would have them flown in from uh, from a Nevada ranch that has weekly testing or something like that. Yeah. So. 
So let's continue here. So <laughs> meth is uh, wait. So we need it's a song about trust. So we we learn we learn more about Mike's dad. Let's learn more about Mike's dad here. You see all that? He built that. At least a thousand dollars, Bernie. Six years it took to solve the problem. Six and years more to pour correctly. To that, my father gave ten years of life. You know the stout? Uh, you know, can I get the, uh, the hefe reason this time? Oh, sure. <laughs> uh, no, sir, please, uh, it's Hefeweizen. Yeah, don't pronounce that shit wrong. And someone was saying uh, that this guy was a fed, that this guy ordering the Hefeweizen that he's talking to. Very possible. I don't think it's... I don't think this is just going to go unnoticed, the fact that he ha, he he basically blabbed about the whole situation. And if he wasn't a dead man before, he's a he definite dead man now. Oh, I'm sorry. How'd you say? Hefeweizen. Hefeweizen. Hannibal says meth and rubbers is a no-no. <laughs> Pretty. I, I I have a similar question. Is that a real thing, Hannibal? I'm richtig. <laughs> ah, um, it's on me. Ah, thanks, man. Post. Oh, Mike's totally killing that fucker, Joseph. It's like, it's just a, it's 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 happening so soon. Ah, the opera. It's for the ages. For my father, it was his. I agree. Hefeweizen is definitely really good beer. Good alcohol content. Cheap beer. Uh, delicious. I, I love. I love it. I actually, it's uh, it's it's a beer I get quite often. The creation that will endure. Maybe Hefeweiner is Hank's partner. I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it. That whoever said that originally in the live chat, good pickup. Uh, I didn't think about it at the time, but definitely listening back, the way oh, it's it sounds a little fetty. <laughs> Hannibal says no. Bernie was excited there for a second. She thought me as well. I thought we were going to be learning. I'm just speaking for Bernie and I tonight. We're 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 we're, we're equal parts partners tonight. But I thought I thought we were going to be learning some interesting piece of information tonight. But no. What about you, Michael? Your papa? What did he do? Oh, Melly. Uh, Melly and Joseph. Uh, I'm a. I know. No, I remember. These are all characters. They're like. They're like people. People drawn on a chalkboard. Little stick figures to be erased, and not real people. Mike. Mike. I want. I want to see Mike kill all these Germans so bad. I'm horrible. They're so nice, oh, especially this guy. This guy, uh, Werner. He's he's such a cock. Can go fuck himself. But. But Werner, he seems like a nice guy. He really likes Michael. He really likes Michael, but oh, Michael's going to kill them. Michael is going to kill all of them. Or Gus is going to kill all of them and Mike's going to understand. Or, oh, it's, 
It's awful. <laughs> Funny stuff. So, uh, so, so some guys go in and some guy comes in and grabs Mike and says, "Listen, we got a problem outside." You're not throwing me out. I paid my. And Kai is Kai is of course that guy at the strip club. Was there any doubt that Kai was going to be this guy? What well, leads me to believe that something's going to. Kai, it's not going to be as obvious as Kai is the inciting incident force. That's why I think it was interesting that Varner was the person that crossed the line by drawing the, the design. Because being a dick cheese is one thing, which Kai is. Being a dick cheese isn't, if you're good at your job and you keep your mouth shut, isn't going to get you killed. It's just, it might get you sent on a bus home, unless everyone's going to die anyway. But what Varner did, I tend to think Gus wants to kill them anyway from the very beginning, all of them. You know, everything clear, clear, clear. But I think Varner almost signed, sealed, and delivered their own death in this situation. Because if that guy ends up being a fed and then someone starts sniffing around the situation for for any of this or even just the way Gus was talking to Mike at the end of this episode. It's like, okay, I trust you. But, you know, I'm still going to kill those guys. He said Michael way too many times. He's gotten under Michael's skin. No one calls him Michael. Yo, his dad, but the uh, Sydney Opera House like that. I really like Varner. I'll be sad if he dies. He seems like a general, generally good dude in this universe. I agree with you, Lindsay. I would feel sad for this guy. I felt I was mentioning that earlier, I, I think right before you popped in, that I feel so sad in these scenes with him and Mike because he legitimately seems to be be developing or he seems to just be one of those guys that's friendly with anybody can kind of go anywhere and, and, and form some sort of chemistry. And I think in general, he's really starting to get an affinity for Mike and Mike's giving them a, don't listen. I don't care about your stupid shit. And he's just not picking up. And he's like, Oh, Michael, you you're just quiet. Like my granddad, <laughs> like what kind of stupid accent is that? But, Let's go. Uh, was there any doubt that Kai wanted to touch? Yeah, it's true, DJ. Like, I mean, we all knew Kai would be this guy. He is. Let's listen to it. <laughs> Did you know, Michael, my father? Oh. <laughs> You're not throwing me out. I there paid go, my yeah. money. You paid to look, yeah. not touch, asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah. I'm calling the cops. Let's see how you like hanging out yeah, in NBC. No, no, you don't need to call the cops. No, I'm the guy who's telling you this one's had too much, and I'm here to get him out of your hair. What about his buddies? Well, they're not causing any trouble, are they? Let him stay a while longer. This one? Listen, buddy. I'm the guy that's gonna tell you what's going on here. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> oh, fucking Mike. Go on, try me. At some point, Mike becomes pretty much a hitman, so it's going to be interesting to see how he gets there. And I think, I think ultimately, as we've been hinting around here, not or not even hinting around, I think it's going to be through this Germans and through and through uh, Varner specifically because he's going to know too much or have made a mistake. And Mike's trying to keep himself unemotionally attached, but. It's happening because this guy is one of those gooey, lovey dudes that is just trying to push the emotional connection. Mike's like, that, I don't want that kind of relationship, Varner. That's not the, that's not the kind of party we're having. And Varner's like, no, my, but Mike, we're, 
I'm gonna. I am gonna make uh, Varner Jamaican here just for the purpose of. Listen, Mike, come down by the beach. Let's have a drink. Smoke some ganja. I'm sorry. I, I didn't want to try to do my German accent, so I figured I'd do a horrible Jamaican one instead because that's somehow better. What is Phil wearing? That's a good question. I am wearing a Luigi shirt onesie thing. <laughs> Laundry day. <laughs> and I have to get up early in the morning for a procedure to be officially turned into a Super Mario character. So, uh, I figured I'd be ready for it. <laughs> Mike was good in Beverly. He was good in Beverly Hills Cop. A lot of people don't know that was Mike. Mike is the, uh, is the, is the guy that Eddie Murphy was the, is the bad guy is the, like the, not the main bad guy, but the main bad guy's number one. It would be, wouldn't be surprising if Varner is a fed. He could easily be playing Mike to gain his trust. Interesting, Lindsay. Every time I go to the strip club, the girls touch me and I don't get paid. Next time you do that, Bernie, if they did, you should be like, you have to give me a dollar. You want to touch me? Give me a fucking dollar. You, you, have, enough, you have enough tips. Like they come off stage like, oh, I want to touch you. That'll be a dollar. And that'll be an awesome story. I go to strip clubs and strippers pay me. Do do that a report back. So uh, Mike was good, <laughs> Bernie. <laughs> Don't soil the Mario characters. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh my goodness, <laughs> Bernie cracks me up. Hannibal, DJ, Lindsay, all you guys are freaking amazing. Blowfish. So yeah, at some point Mike becomes that. So I think we're seeing that. It's one of those side things that. We knew it was coming somehow, but how they slipped it in is is very nice. I I, li I like the slippage, S the slippage. <laughs> Varner is too smart to be a fed, and I think they're too smart in the way that they vetted him to two of him to be a fed. I think Gus and Mike are good at what they do, and they didn't hire a fed, but they did maybe hire too nice of a guy that is somehow is is somehow a blabberer <laughs> not somehow is a blabberer when he gets drunk so <laughs> okay 10 dollars see D, this dj this is why uh, i i need someone like you in my corner too as a, as a manager to, uh, to to be to be pushing pushing stuff like that <laughs> i'm th i think too small I'm like a dollar. No, no, ten dollars. Ten dollars. No touchies, motherfucker. Ten dollars. Burr. It's cold in here. <laughs> so let's continue. So uh, one of his guys might be because we we touched that. I tend to not think that. I think all the Germans are on the level. I think possibly the guys they were talking in the bar. I could see something like that. But ultimately, I don't even think so. I think that's an interesting, interesting theory that that's that's could add could turn out to be something, some sort of connection to to uh, to Hank, as people were mentioning. That being said, I don't think that's going to happen. If you were putting my hand to the fl flame, I would say that Var Varner already just signed his death certificate tonight. By being someone that proved that a drunk, he could open his mouth. 
He doesn't have to do anything more. This is going to stick in both Mike and Gus's craw. That they're going to... What what's the fuck's their craw? It's going to stick in their asses. It's going to be touch, touching them, po- sticking them, pointing, pointing them, uh, penetrating them with needles. It's going to be bothering them through this whole situation. He got drunk and he basically drew a schematic. Whether that person ends up being a Fed or not, and or a, or a uh, DEA guy or not, and I'd be fine in either direction if it was done right. And I'm confident if that show, if the show decides to make the decision, they're, they're going to do something right. I think it could even just be as simple as he already just signed his signed his death death certificate by opening his mouth at all and showing that he is a flip the jib that he's a Kimmy Gibbler to say to bring back Kimmy tonight. That he can't, he can't keep his mouth shut. He flaps his fucking gums. Stupid, stupid motherfucker. Warner, Ivana is a liability. Exactly. The hang connection isn't going to be the Germans. It's going to be crazy. Eight says, Joseph, if you're hiring for a manager, Phil, I'm still looking for a job. Hey, well, we can we can talk later. No, now, I I wish I was making enough money to hire people. So maybe maybe one day, DJ. <laughs> More intern or something, Jeffrey. The Varner guy was a Fed. How would Gus gotten so far? If Varner was a Fed, sorry, I was reading your comment wrong, Jeffrey. If Var if Varner was a Fed, how would Gus have gotten so far in his meth emperor? Exactly, exactly. Gus. Gus and Mike are both too smart and and they check this guy out. They checked out all the people that they were vetting and they know this guy. They know, they know what this kid got for middle school, middle school or elementary school grades. They have his transcripts. They know what blood type he is. They know everything about this guy. They've taken DNA samples just in case they have Gail in a lab somewhere running all sorts of analysis. He's running analysis paralysis somewhere. So, okay, so yeah, where where are we? We're at Kai being a dick cheese. And then, again, this is just sort of a red herring of the situation. We get to the real issue that happens here at 9. This song. No, 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 Support must be invisible. You can't throw a column here, a column there. Maximum volume and open space inside. The final structure has strict requirements. Load-bearing walls there. Very good. Now you <laughs> use your thinking head, not your drinking head. But how do you get walls in place? There would be seven, eight meters to a side. Pre-pour them off-site. Slide the slabs in with the crane. Slide through the existing construction. You will knock down the Chrysler building just to add a subway stop. Well, no, there are... Time to go. Huh? Why? Come sit with us. Your wife's calling? No, time to go. Time to get the fuck out of here. Your wife's calling. You're talking too much shit. Shut your fucking mouth now. You're basically killing yourself. Do you realize, do you realize what you're saying? Stop being an idiot. I thought you were smarter than this. I hired you because I thought you were pragmatic, not a bad drunk or a friendly drunk that's going to be goofily basically say the whole plan of the situation when we aren't even supposed to. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing, you big dummy? That's what Mike is thinking. My wife. 
your best friend in the live chat. Great to see you. I bet all the Germans get killed. Best friend, I am definitely. That's why you're my best friend, because I agree with you 100%. Bernie says, yes, I tend to think that the Germans aren't cops. The dumb guy in the bar mispronouncing on purpose in the front of the Germans. He's kind of suspect. DJ, and they kill... And they can't kill one or two of the Germans. They'll have to kill them all. Exactly. It's going to be a Metallica album title. They're going to kill them all. Uh, one time I put my whole uh, pile on the rail. Lesson learned at the strip. Oh, yeah. It just gets taken away. That, that's a that's a, I've I've uh, I've seen that mistake done as well. I was going to say I've made that mistake, but I'd be lying. But <laughs> we'll have J next time Joe's on the on the show. We can talk about some of our uh some of our strip club experiences uh, with uh, but with that. But people are like, no, I don't want to hear that. Gross. What are you talking about? But no, just to, just to be like, I, I'm an interesting experience in a strip club. Anyways, so, but yes, I have seen someone put their money out thinking that they're okay. And then, then they just go and take all the, take all the cash. It's kind of funny. <laughs> I love it. Two points for the home team there. You know, <laughs> don't leave your shit down there. Finders keepers, losers reapers. It's like it's like a bet at a casino when you put the chip chip forward, and you're like, I don't know if I want to bet or not. No, your chips there, done. All bets are over. To take, gonna scoop. Yeah, Bernie, Bernie better made them work for that shit. Damn it. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much, gentlemen, uh, for your hospitality. Good talking to you, Werner. <laughs> like, again, this dude still just doesn't get it. And wait. I want to rewind that a little bit. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much, gentlemen, uh, for your hospitality. Good talking to you, Werner. <laughs> Auf Wiedersehen. <laughs> Okay, so, and then Mike is basically, the tension in the car is ridiculous. It's just like, I'm going to have to kill this nice man. Yep, that's the sound of the car when you know you have to kill a nice man. Um, have you ever been to the Naked Eye strip club that used to be in the Combat Zone? No, but I used to go to the Combat Zone a lot back when I was a kid with my mother and stepfather for late night Chinese food at a place called The Gate, The Golden Gate. And when we were, uh, when I was like, I want to say it was in fourth or fifth grade. I'm not sure how old you are at that time. As I drink my last sip of water because I'm not allowed to drink water or eat after midnight. Mmm. Last one of the night. Oh, my goodness. Ouch. My throat already hurts. I want more water. <laughs> but we were walking across the street and uh, and right next to us in a crosswalk or right, sort of like a crosswalk that was parallel to us. Someone hit a woman that was crossing, that was walking through the crosswalk and just kind of kept driving. And there, she was carrying a bag of groceries. and It was like a movie where a cabbage went flying in the sky when she got hit. And we, we all thought, especially as kids looking at it, because I was with a bunch of other kids and our parents who were getting food at four in the morning in the combat zone in Boston in the, in the late 80s. It was, uh, it was not very smart. But whatever, we were all together. So, so good times. And uh, we saw the cabbage fly up in the sky. We were like, holy shit, that's someone's head. And we saw it splat up and actually gnaw. And then we ran over and... 
and the cops ended up getting all our information. We had uh, all all of us had to go and give uh, depositions to lawyers, even the kids and shit. And uh, there's, there's a lot more to that story, but there was some Jimmy lawyering going on that the case all got settled out of court and for some uh, for some free res- free restaurant time. And there's some shadiness going on in that case. Excuse me. Yep. Oh my goodness. The fucking combat zone. The combat zone. Very interesting time. So, <laughs> so let's continue. Uh, we come back in and we see Huel's picture as Kim's doing the work and Jimmy comes up to her. And this is where I start thinking. Yeah, I'm going to head over to the nail salon and finish setting up. It's where I start thinking like Jimmy and they start lulling us into this that Kim just doesn't give a fuck. And we're watching them break up. I even wrote in my notes in capital letters. We're watching Jimmy and Kim break up here. Lady Laura Dane. Hello. Great to see you in the live motherfucking chat. Lady Laura. Love to see you. Love to see everyone pop on in. Welcome. <laughs> that was a horrible welcome. Welcome. That was even worse, but you are welcomed. Yep, the combat zone is in Chinatown. So, yep, it's right in there. Is is the combat zone... Like, it's been so long since I've been through... Uh, different topic. Different day, Hannibal. <laughs> different podcast where, we'll, where we can uh, talk about combat zone history. <laughs> so... We're at the hair place, and the woman who runs it comes in to talk to Jimmy. And we lead even more down this road that Jimmy did something wrong, and and him and Kim are about to break up. And he did. They're fighting, but Jimmy is an all-or-nothing kind of guy. And if she's not loving him, she's hating him, and he's dreading this. And then, and we're all seeing it through his eyes and seeing what we think, and she th- he thinks is the end of his relationship. Leaving now. You stick around? Oh, uh, yeah, I have to be here a little longer. I'll lock up when I go. Is that all right? Wife mad at you? She's not my wife. I don't know. Yeah, she's mad at you. So she goes and gets him the booze. And then he tells him he needs to apologize. And she's like, no. He's like, no, it's a little worse than that. So we cut to Kim walking down a hallway. And I love the Kim walk. She's got a little bounce to her step. I said it before. She's very, she, It's a very cute little bounce. And the, the hair is bounce. It's fucking great. But she's like, she is, she is the lawyer of death. She is just lawyering people left and right. She kills it. And the actress kills it as well. Kim is a very crazily powerful character. And seeing her wield her skill set in this kind of way with the with the energy and the influence of a fucked up Jimmy really is the chimp with a machine gun. Jimmy is a decent lawyer with a good understanding of the law. Kim is an excellent lawyer. Equal to equal to any great lawyer we've met on the show, with the exception of maybe Chuck in his prime. But it's definitely on that level and highly influenced by Chuck in his, in his prime. So it's almost like Jimmy, in a sense, gets to have that magic team up he always wanted with Kim as a lawyer and her talent set that he probably wishes he could have got with Chuck. But Chuck would never play his game. 
The ponytail is hot as hell. And the way it bounces when she walks like that, it's, I, I can't lie. I'm like, oh, oh my golly. Every time they show her in those scenes, like walking down the hallway, and then it's just, she's such a badass too. It's so fucking powerful. It's just like, damn, she, she kills it. Kills it. So, uh, so yes. So Kim is walking down and she brings a, uh, she brings a drink for him. Okay, so back to this and we're in the meeting where Kim brings her entourage. This is Gary Strote. Steph Carvanes and Pat Malinkowski, my associates. Hi. Suzanne Erickson. Hello. Good to meet you all. Off topic, hang with Tyrion, kill Ramsay, have sex with Arthur Dane. Nice to meet you. Yeah, if he's that good with a sword, <laughs> imagine what he could do with, with you. <laughs> she really is best friend. All right. You have a response to our... Lady Laura is making me, br- making me blush right now. We do. Time served. Three to six months probation. We plead a simple battery. Holy shit. Bernie the Burnt. Bernie the Burnt. You're fucking amazing. Super chat donation for for a meatball parm sub after the procedure. You never fail to crack me up. Love you. No, I love you too, Bernie. You're amazing. And I really do appreciate all you guys tonight uh, hanging around and joining us for Better Call Saul. I know the last couple of weeks since Better Call Saul season, this is kind of the only thing we've been doing on the channel, but that's going to be changing, especially after we move into the new place. Going to have a really awesome setup with uh, do a lot more live watches in the studio is both going to be in the same room and some more video game stuff and also get a green screen room for some short videos. So it's going to be really cool. The next between now and November 30th is going to be a clusterfuck, but I really do appreciate all the support you guys give me. And Bernie, you're fucking awesome. Thank you. A misdemeanor. Yes. You're asking to go from 18 months jail time down to nothing. Sorry, I can't do that. Okay. This is a motion for continuance. We're going to need more time to prepare our defense. The officer- Jason, there's nothing wrong with discussing pegging. Report states that he didn't canvas. DJ says, no, Jason. That's not Kim's type of thing. <laughs> Lindsay says, DJ, don't say that. You don't know that. You don't know what Kim likes to do. <laughs> this this is why our chat's the greatest chat in the world because we have a side side discussions like this and and i say let it go keep keep going let's let's analyze this additional witnesses there were none and no one is contesting that mr Bab- oh no Lindsay was saying don't say that to djs i'm a bit scared that kim dies <laughs> i need to look up more i'm such an idiot <laughs> I'm a bit scared that Kim may die. <laughs> Sorry, I was thinking. I was thinking, Lindsay, you were saying no. Don't don't say no that uh, that Kim's not into pegging. <laughs> oh, everything's well, Laura. Everything's well. I'm just we're just uh, we're just moving, and it's like over a quick couple months. So my most of my studio's packed up, and I have to start packing things even more as uh, shit is happening, and definitely all gonna work out it's gonna be uh gonna be a cool little setup that we're gonna have in the new place legitimately all jokes aside that I've said before it's gonna be the my mom's basement so it should be a good time how would kim die get into a fatal accident i hope i hope not i i don't think it's gonna go in that direction dj dj i i i hope you were wrong I tend to think more jail from someone was saying that earlier. I think that was an interesting point. More jail or getting yourself in trouble 
uh, losing her law license and disappearing or something because of a fuck up. But who knows? Anything is possible. I did not think Kim was going to go in the direction she went in this episode. So honestly, anything is possible with this show. Struck the officer. Be that as it may, there are several businesses nearby with security cameras. We need time to subpoena all of them. Isn't that a bit much? We don't believe the judge will see it that way. We'd simply like to have the most complete information at our disposal. To that end, we're filing a motion to compel discovery. You want to open Officer Platt's personnel file. Yeah, the DS9's gone. It will be back soon. Um, I'm going to bring that back upstairs relatively soon now that all the big shit's over with. Now that we're just about the packing point. And, and I can't really pack that. She's on the lam or she's in prison. I tend to, I'm tending to get in that direction now as well. Jimmy's phone a friend could uh, oh, could possibly kill her. Interesting stuff. So uh, so we will see. Does, do people generally think similar to what I think or if people tell me if I'm wrong or you, you tend to think otherwise? Will Kim be a main character next season or will Kim's story be done in these next two episodes? Well, not completely. I know she'll always show up in flashbacks or momentary reasons, but will will we get some sort of conclusion to the Kim story arc this season? I, I it's leading to something. It's going to be very cool to see what they do in these final two episodes. Whoa, hello, microphone. What what happened there? <laughs> My microphone got excited for Kim there. I think. Whoa, everybody, hi. I'm very excited now. Oh, you guys are awesome in the chat. So let's continue here. I could see Kim go to prison. That could be the straw that broke the camel's back. The moment for her and push her into breaking up with Jimmy. Or at least Jimmy blaming himself for that kind of situation. So we go off to... So Kim brings her entourage. Good luck with that. It's a re <laughs> And she basically threatens. She gives her an opportunity to get him out. She's like... You know, get out of here, knowing she won't do it. But kind of just, this is all just a big setup. Well, Brady disclosure. Officer Platt had a history with Mr. Babineau, and we'd like to know its extent. And then they have a private talk afterwards after she brings in all the $200 an hour interns and shit. Kim, Our, you're... Th paralegals. Three $400 an hour associates at a pro bono case. I never said this was pro bono. Okay, what's the plan here, Kim? Because shock and awe isn't going to cut it. Bring every fancy associate you got, file all the motions you want, and at the end of all this, your client is still going away. You want to bet? So we're back in the warehouse, and Mike is walking the Germans in, and Mike just looks at him like a dead man. He just gives him that look like, yep, yep. That look when you know you really fucked up, and someone's giving you the look like it doesn't matter what you say. And he's giving him the the Tom Hagen to uh, to Abe Vigoda at the end of Godfather look. Spoiler alert, I guess. If you haven't seen the Godfather yet. Just that look. The It's done. It's done. You don't want to see that look. I'm stealing some comedian's bit. Is this Nettie Murphy bit? You know, that, that bit. 
I thought Jimmy and Kim would break up, but maybe she's ride or die. I want the straw that can break the camel's back. Kim gave that other lawyer a big plastic one by the time this is over. Bernie, I'm hoping for a ride. I can't see Jimmy doing that to her. Jeffrey cares about her too much. Oh, Jimmy will throw Kim under the bus to save his own ass if their next con goes wrong. Ooh, very, very interesting. I don't I don't know if if Jimmy would do that yet. Saul would, maybe. But it's going to depend. What what will Jimmy do in the fight or flight moment now that he's lost all empathy? But I don't I don't foresee him doing that. But that could be a weird heel turn in a, in a thread of a better way to say it. Mike is the longest running character in this world. Yes. Yes. Because he... Because he was on Breaking Bad a little bit before Gus was. So he's been on the for the most length of time in both in both shows. Because Mike was much more of a regular character on Breaking Bad, especially in the later seasons, than Saul was. Jimmy Saul was more in a handful of episodes where Mike was, especially in those final two seasons, an almost regular. Open up a bed and breakfast in Marblehead. I'd be sure you can play your bongos for entertainment. Hey, if anyone wants to come to my house and sleep in a bed and have me play bongos, that can be arranged. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. And do you have it like a podcasting bed and breakfast? I can, I can, I can, I can see an answer there. I can see, I can see an, I can see an end game there. I like it. Love to entertain all of you guys. Bernie, Jimmy would take a bullet for her. Come on. I, I tend to agree. Exactly. Still cares about Kim. Losing her is what will push him into becoming full-on Saul. More importantly, a little after Gus dies. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. They're back in the warehouse and dead man walking here. Everyone seems much improved. This R&R uh, was a good idea, Michael. <laughs> Again, my best friend has to play drums. Yeah, fucking best. My best friend. Something the matter? Please. <laughs> Don't be concerned. I said nothing. Men at the bar talking to make talking. Look, no details, no scale at all. Could be a skyscraper. Could be a box for shoes. <sighs> Again, I've been this guy, you know, when you know, <laughs> when you know, like, you're slowly but surely figuring out that the person that you're talking to is so fucking pissed at you, but it's not occurring to you right away. So your mind's sort of slowly attaching to it. You're like, wait a second. Wait a second. Um, fuck. I said nothing about the construction. That would not be true for thousands of others. By now, they have forgotten me entirely. They forgot. The German national in the middle of Albuquerque talking about pouring hundreds of tons of concrete at a secret underground location. Yeah, you were right. Yeah, you're right, Mike. You dumbass. You dumbass, you you beautiful dumbass, you, Varner. I'm sorry, Mike. I had too much beer. 
And I may have said more than I should have. Listen to me. Carefully. Oh, Bernie. The man we're working for is very serious. Think about the precautions we take to keep everything that goes on here quiet. Think about how much money you're making. Think about what happens if something goes wrong. Think about think about what's going to happen to you, motherfucker. Think about it. Do you understand what I am saying to you? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? I do understand. No, I don't think you do. Sorry, I felt like standing and up. And I'm sorry to cause any problem. You have my word. Nothing like this will happen again. You, you know why? You know why? Because you're going to be dead. Okay. And it's it's sad moment where you see the look in Varner's eyes when he comes to the point where he realizes he's actually going to be dead. I need to get a better uh, situation to get the camera higher because I know I I wanted to stand up, but that angle was too disgusting for me. It was just the the, the look up angle there. It's, it's it's a weird angle. I'd rather it be looking down, but we'll figure this out in the in the new place so I can stand up sometimes. Cause you think I'm wacky sitting down. It's uh, I'm like, oh, I got too much energy here, <laughs> too much goofiness. So let's continue. Where are we? So yeah, you're dead. Those they're fucking dead. So then we get to Kim's plan finally coming together, where we start to see it. Judge Neelix is back as the two of them go in, as the letters start arriving, and it's Miracle on 34th Street, my favorite Christmas movie. I have one question for you, Miss Erickson. Well, besides Gremlins or Die Hard, if you wanted to find those as Christmas movies. My favorite actual textbook Christmas movie. Prosecuting Santa Claus? Your Honor? Because it looks like... Jason, kill them, get get them done, and then come back to us. Do, do what you do. We, we don't judge in the live motherfucking chat. We I, I like everybody, all, all kinds of... So you need to go kill some campers that are having sex somewhere on your lawn. You, you go take care of business, Jason. We'll, we'll be here for you, buddy. Column 34th Street in here. Look at this. This is just today. Today's batch. Huh? <laughs> Dude, when we listen to him, the audio, it literally... I mean, obviously, we know it's Judge Neelix in reality here. But it's, it's just fun to me when we're listening to the actual audio that... I, I just have to do this. When we're listening to the actual audio, even though Neelix and Picard have nothing to do with each other. <laughs> the... Just listening to his voice. He's so Neelix here. <laughs> Just imagine this. Anyone who knows what the fuck we're talking about, if you don't know what we're talking about, this is the judge from earlier in the season that Kim talked to and sort of has a little connection with and is a no-nonsense sort of dude. If you know what we're talking about when we say Judge Neelix, listening to this audio, imagine it as Neelix delivering it. So it makes it all the more fun. One question for you, Miss Erickson. Are you prosecuting Santa Claus? Your Honor? Because it looks like Miracle Cass. on 34th Street in here. But if this, this is just today. What's the captain? What's the captain? Huh? All addressed to me. All from some backwater in Louisiana. I mean, look at, uh, get your hands off our hero, they say. Uh, mercy for Hugh Babineau, they say. What, like I'm sending him to the electric chair? Come and tell me, uh, Miss Erickson. It's just like, it's creepy. It's not creepy, but like listening just to the audio of it it's he's so it's it's so neelix 
did you start this particular ball rolling? Did I instruct the people of Cushada, Louisiana to start writing letters to <laughs> If he says Mr. Vulcan, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. I want to hear an outtake where he says, he says Mr. Vulcan. Ex ex excuse, excuse me, Mr. Vulcan. <laughs> Whoever said that bad PR was going to get stared up was halfway right. The only difference was there was no protest. Uh, get the glampers first. <laughs> get the glampers first. I think Jason doesn't even, he doesn't even allow them to come near his camp. He, he, uh, he has a glampers... Uh, force field detection system that immediately allows him to uh, to shift, they call it, to get there and kill. Court? No, Your Honor, I did not. That being said, it's clear Mr. Babineau has touched the lives of many people in his hometown. And I do know they're planning to send a contingent here to show their support during the trial. Are you talking about a bunch of yahoos packing my court? I'm sorry, Your Honor, but I'm not sure what bearing any of this has on the case. What does Mr. Babineau's relationship to his hometown and did you say Louisiana? Your Honor, this can't be a complete surprise to the assistant district attorney. She knows the defendant's history as well as I do. Look, if I receive one more letter <laughs> from some swamp-dwelling do-gooder, I'm going to scream. Thank you for bringing this situation to our... Oh, my goodness. I, I, I just want to get that swap the do-gooder sign i gotta i gotta loop that and sync that up to some neelix video in your honor may i see one of these we could, oh take as many as you want yeah please just take them all i have looked at this case it does not merit a circus now you two work it out we've tried your honor try again So Neelix, so the plan is action. The DA is not fucking with this bullshit. He is. The arresting officer. And, and the DA is pissed and she needs to check this out. She smells doo-doo in the water and it's time to check Kim and Jimmy's math. And Kim and Jimmy are just, this is what we're talking about through this whole episode. Jimmy, Jim, Jimmy's scheme can get busted up easy because a lot of it is just on piss and vinegar and attitude and faking it till you make it. That's, I mean, a lot of successes in this fucking world when it comes to a lot of different professions or a lot of different games, so to speak, are fake it till you make it. You're going instinct. Sometimes you do right things. Sometimes you do wrong. When you include someone like, someone like Kim into the mix, who can cover every base and understand it. The, the marriage of the two and Jimmy at his best of his game to work out the situation, work out all the kinks of this deal. It's it's like John Lennon and Paul, sorry, non-Beatles fans. It's like John Lennon and Paul McCartney coming together. The guy that knew how to tune tune the strings and understood uh, how to play songs right and the guy that knew how to make up lyrics to songs when he forgot the words. Those two forces coming together to form the... The rock band that that sets the scene for so much, so many other awesome rock bands to come after, and in this situation with Jim and Kimmy, Jim and Kimmy keeps calling her Kimmy. She'd hate me. She she'd slap me every time I said Jimmy and Kim. I keep saying Jim and Kimmy. Excuse me, Phil. Who are these Jim and Kimmy you speak of? Are we watching a different show? Are we watching a different show? Excuse me. Can we get the sharks with laser beams? <laughs> Oi, Phil! You dumbass! What you talking about? Who are you? Wee oui, wee oui, wee, oui, I am the French Hulk. I am angry. You would not like me if I'm angry. Can I have some cheese and a baguette? Wee oui, wee oui, wee. Oui. What the? What? 
I apologize. Sometimes I have voices inside me. They're not very funny or organized, but they, they have to come out and, and you guys don't, you don't have to listen, but you know, if you're here, we'll get to a point occasionally. Jimmy is the shipping name. Thank you. Yeah, okay. I'm just going to call them Jimmy from now on. <laughs> so, so yeah, the DA is not fucking with this shit. She's pissed. What, if anything, he left out of his report. I want known associates, places of residence, MVD records. I need an electric shock every time I call her Kimmy. I'm like... Why why is there such a stigma with rubbing your nose? I mean, maybe because I'm on camera. If I was if I was just in regular life, you can kind of get away with it, but on camera it's like slow motion. Oh my goodness. Kim Jim. I like Kim Jim. That's really good. I meant Kimmy, damn it. <laughs> Oh my goodness me, oh my. So the DA is not fucking with this bullshit. And they start making phone calls. They start reading the letters. Are these letters bullshit or not? It's a, it's a fake. All of it. We missed something, and I want to know what. We would just need, this is a Cardassian data rod. But Jimmy has hijacked the Cardassian data rod, and he doesn't even have to kill a little blue guy to deal with it. On top of spaghetti, all covered in cheese. I ate my meatball sub thanks to Bernie, all covered in cheese. Oh. is wrongfully Bob. accused. He's a good man. He'd never do nothing like the things you say he's done. He's a kind man and a good friend to everyone. Jesus, they do make him sound like Santa Claus. This one has a phone number. Ho, 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 ho. Ho, ho, ho. Merry fuckness. Please send all sexy Christmas greetings to the reindeer monologues. If anyone ever gets a chance to see the reindeer monologues, if it comes near you, uh, definitely check it out. I, I don't know if it's a touring show or if it was just local to me, to a couple of kids I went to theater school with or whatever, or if it's a bigger show. But if anyone has an opportunity, it's a very funny thing. <laughs> Have a blessed day. Hello, Mr. Fontenot. My name is Suzanne Erickson from the Albuquerque District Attorney's Office. I love how the voice evens up. This is how this all comes together. And then the acting crew from previous seasons showing back up and how she's better. I, I love all of this. It keeps the same energy, same passion, same fun. Oh, I just saw that we do have a voicemail from Big J. Big J, if you're checking this out, I'll definitely be playing your voicemail as we get towards the end of the recap. Save that for the end game here at this point. But I uh, can't wait to hear what Big J thought of this episode. The letter phone scam seems unplausible. This letter phone scam seems unplausible to me. So it it definitely is a lot of pieces coming together. Jimmy would have had to really fine-tune, go through all of those letters and make sure that it's all matched up to what he wants to say. There's no, there's nothing too 
repetitive. And I think that all those letters were sent, like all the, if we saw all the letters that we saw on Neelix's desk, did he have that many phones? I guess he didn't only put a select amount of numbers, but maybe from a, the district attorney could have looked at every letter and then saw some doubling, but instead she took a small sampling and ended up working out perfect. I think it wasn't so much a magic plan that came together. There were some elements that everything needed to work out and they did. The DA only took a certain small amount of them. They called just enough phone numbers, not to be too much repetition for her to pick up that it was only a couple people doing voices. So it's, it is unlikely, but not implausible to me. I see what you're saying. There are, it's, a lot of things need to come together for it to be perfect, but I think it's within reason for two excellent con people that have a that have a chemistry together to pull off something like this. Repeat yourself all that you fucking want, Jeffrey Townsend. There's no there's no penalties for repeating. You want to use capital letters? I'm not scared. I'm not, I'm not going to get scared with you yelling at me. <laughs> If someone someone does something to me, fuck you. You want to scare? You want to curse? You want to some shit? I don't give a fuck what call me an asshole. <laughs> repeat yourself. Repeat yourself on loop. Repeat yourself on loop. Repeat yourself. Oh, sorry. That's annoying. Also, thank goodness I only did that a couple of times. But I thought I tend to be on the on the page with Bernie. I thought it was a brilliant scheme that kind of worked together magically with a couple of. Things had to work out a specific way, but dropping the numbers in there. And I think with a scam like that, you have to make sure that you have double verification. You have the letters pull out. You built the website. Stephanie was saying that while we were watching it too. They built a website for this too, built the website for the church. Like getting all those pieces in place gave multiple levels of verification. And I think we're supposed to have believed if you're buying into this that it was the marriage of Kim's attention to detail in Jimmy's schemy ways and obviously Kim having schemy ways and Jimmy having a good attention to detail when he cares about something or which is a scheme and Kim so I think it was I think it was just a lot of things a plan comes together perfectly sometimes unlikely but not implausible says DJ I agree with that can't stay, Phil. Got to go to bed. Can't wait for The Walking Dead. Oh, we got... Excuse me. I keep wanting to call you Broke Black Man 94, but Fandom D. Saint. Have a good night, Fandom. Uh, Lady Lar says, where are you guys from? Sounds so much better and interesting than when I love my time in Soto Comfort. <laughs> it's time to get out of Dodge. As people know, Boston area here. And everyone can jump in the live chat and be as vague or specific to where they live in the chat as they want. I'm not responsible for anything that happens in the chat. <laughs> okay, so let's continue. So leave some phone numbers, make some calls. Let's listen to more of this shit. Is this Eloise Lockhart? Speaking. Hi, Miss Lockhart. My name is Suzanne Erickson. I'm an assistant district attorney in Albuquerque, New Mexico. The DA is also in a hurry. She's not going to overanalyze every letter. And I think that that was the, the assumption that they needed to make. And with any scheme, you need to make a couple of assumptions and go on a couple of leaps of faith, so to speak. So it's, it was one of the variables in this situation. 
wrote a letter to Judge Munsinger about a Huel Babineau? Oh, I love Huel. He's the dearest, dearest man. <laughs> um, do you mind my asking, how exactly do you know Huel? Oh, everyone in Cushada knows Huel. He's a pillar of our church. And which church is that? Free Will Baptist, right over on Bogan Lane. Um, I've seen several letters from fellow members of your congregation. Could you explain to me, is, is there some reason why Huel in particular holds so much esteem in your church? I'm sorry, who, who are you again? I'm, um, I'm an assistant district attorney from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Perfect change of pace right there in that situation too. And I love the uncovering of who these people are. And as Lily the Fox Valley said, I wonder if they would the film crew would show up again. I love how when he he obviously had, and I love to see the outtakes of this, him kind of teaching them or giving them lessons on how to act there. You see the lessons on the blackboard and stuff. And one of the guys pointing to don't overact when it's Jimmy's turn and Odengirk kills it here. And or they're waiting for the phone to ring. Okay, they, this is where they call the, uh, the church. It's, it's that one. It's the church. The church. The church. So let's sit back and relax and watch. Listen to listen to a Mr. Show character here. Hello there. Free Will Baptist, Pastor Hansford speaking. Uh, who this? Good afternoon, Pastor. My name is Suzanne Erickson. I'm an assistant district attorney from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Oh, that's a long way off, Cher. Uh, Can you hold on a second? Uh, Clarence is going at the organ. He's... I'm going to step into the vestibule. Oh, there we go. Uh, now, uh, what can I do for you, Ms. Uh, Ms. Erickson, you say? Mm-hmm. Um, the court has received numerous letters from members of your congregation in regards to Mr. Huel Babineau. May I ask you a couple of questions about Mr. Babineau? Surely, uh, what I can tell you about our Huel. Well, what kind of person would you say Mr. Babineau is? Well, I say he's a lovely person, both inside and out. Yes, I'm, I'm sure you'd say that about all your prisoners. Uh, I, I, I suppose I would. But no, no, Huel, him special. Well, he's got a heart. And he makes up this story about how Huel brought people out of a fire or something like that. And they also show more donations. They show the website and there. He cues the team making more donations. Everyone buys it lock, slop, slop, and barrel. The DA is like, okay, I guess all of this. And he also threatens to have everyone come down and support it. Like, we'll bring a couple buses down too. It's, it's very funny stuff. So it all works out. The plan works perfectly. Excuse me. Saul goes to the courthouse and watches Kim do her thing. And you can just see the DA in there just like, fuck me. And this is where we get the, I'm, I'm not going to say surprise, like, oh, shocking ending here. But where I got what I didn't expect. Kim comes walking out and walking towards him and walking past him. And I don't know about anybody else. I thought she was pissed off. I thought she's like, fuck you. You got me in this situation. I had to bail you out and turn on my conning gear and get into game so you wouldn't do something even more stupid like blackmail the whatever he's going to blackmail the cop. Wasn't that, was that what he wanted to do in the last episode? 
you wanted to do something stupid like that, so I had to bail you out in the scheme. Not for a fucking second did I think she was pulling him somewhere to start making out with him, and and she was so turned on, and it was like the tension of the argument, and to have the makeup sex slash celebration sex for it all coming together. I did not think this was going in that direction. And again, it's a credit to you don't know. Forget your own relationships, but how many times have you had a best friend or something, and you're like, uh, or a buddy that talks, oh, I'm, not, I'm on outs with my relationship. I'm never talking to her, him or her again. Fuck that. It's over. They crossed the line. Never going to do it again. Blah, blah, blah. And the next thing you know, they're together. Because people reach a point where they, they think they're done, but then something happens that completely changes your situation. Or some people think that they're locked in for life and something happens and changes their situation. And in this moment, I think Kim is starting to realize that her... I, 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 don't, I don't love this expression all the time. Her best self is might be in her mind when she's the happiest is running cons with Jimmy. And especially on this big scale of where it's ultimately helping people or or fucking with people or fucking with assholes or DAs that are putting away innocent people for whatever reason. Whatever Whatever her motivation is, or it could just be that the accident last year and having the kind of breakdown, she's never quite recovered from that. And this season, she's dealing with what happens to her idol with Chuck. It's something that a lot of people, we, we're not so much focusing on because, excuse me, with, with uh, Chuck dying, the effects on Jimmy and on Howard are obvious. Kim's a little different. But Chuck is someone she looked up to and seeing the end game of all the hard work of being this lawyer that she thought she wanted to be ends up in you killing yourself because you get thrown out of your firm when you are having troubles or something. Who knows what's going through Kim's mind? She's having a complete identity crisis and figuring out where she wants to be and what she wants to do and what she wants to use her talents for. So I did not in a second see this outcome coming. She doesn't want cloth napkins. She wants slippin' Jimmy. We were fooled by the writers tonight. I didn't see it coming either. She wouldn't give him anything till she won. Not even a peck goodbye. DJ, have a very good night. Love to you and everyone in the live motherfucking chat. But to you because you're leaving right now. So DJ, lots of love to you. Lily says, I knew it right away. I knew it was going to fucking happen. Jeffrey Townsend, that was a great performance by Odenkirk playing the deep southerner. Uh, he, it's a character and it's a voice he's definitely done on Mr. Show and some of his comedy stuff. So it was a voice I was familiar with with Odenkirk. He had to lay back on how good he does it because he, he can even do it better than that. I've heard him do it. So, But Jimmy being Jimmy, he's he's not a world-class comedian like Bob Odenkirk is. So he had to kind of lay back on it a little bit. But it, it's definitely one of Odenkirk's go-to comedy voices. And there's a couple of very funny sketches with him doing that voice in both Mr. Show and Bob and Dave. But yeah, I talk about it almost every week, but I can't talk about it enough. It's time capsule and comedy is very difficult to always capture the moment of time. So watching a sketch comedy show from a different era might not be as funny as Mr. Show was in the moment, but I highly respect it. If you really like Bob Odenkirk, check out Mr. Show if you can. 
to see where not where he started because Odenkirk's been in the business for a while, even doing stand up and on the Ben Stiller show. I think he's where he first really showed up in the main stage. I I don't I don't have his IMDP in front of me right now, but I could I could pull it up. But Mr. Show is really him and David Cross's baby. And you'd recognize a lot of the side cast members from a lot of shit. And uh, definitely check out Mr. Show. So, yeah, Kim is stuck between two worlds. She is. And I, I would say even more than two worlds. She's stuck between three worlds. She's stuck She's stuck between 20 worlds. She's stuck between the world of the Mesa Verde stuff and with Co- Coakley and that. Oh, no, I guess it's two worlds. And the life that she spelled out herself to be able to help uh, pro bono cases and go back and forth. And then the other side being Jimmy, I was going to say the three things, but no, she figured out the other two. She figured out a marriage between the Mesa Verde and the wanting to help pro bono people. But even that's not satisfying her. That's having her go in her mind, not fulfilling every need she has. And maybe part of her figuring it out is realizing that she can't fulfill every need she has. Do you think Jimmy has come to terms with Chuck's death? No. No. I think when we see him at the Gene era and the black and white era time period, that when he's losing his shit, he's not just losing his shit because of Walter White and all that big destruction he caused. He's losing it because of Kim, because of Chuck, because of Everyone he lost and everything that happened to lead him to that point where he might be dying on the floor of a Cinnabon. So, uh, but I don't think so. I think they're, they want us to think he worked past it, but no, I, I think how he's dealing with it is a choice, but it's not a healthy choice. And I'm stealing a, Stealing, I think, what maybe writer of the episode said about that. So if, uh, if sometimes, why don't I just take credit for other people's shit sometimes? Say, this is just what I'm saying, huh? But I'm pretty sure someone said that, the writer said that on the Better Call Saul Insiders podcast. It was like, was ultimately that uh, Jimmy's dealing with it. There's a lot of different ways of dealing with it, but this isn't the healthiest way of dealing with it. So... Let's continue. So they they have some sex. They have the sex there. And then we come back with a very funny little intro here. Do it one more time. Are you sure you can take it? I can if you can. Mm-hmm. All right. You <laughs> asked for it. Hello there. Look in your heart, shell and find forgiveness. Let us take you on a trip down to Norland's Way. For some reason, this scene reminded me a little bit of, uh, of Booty Call when... When uh, uh, Jamie Foxx is doing all the voices in bed with Vivica A. Fox. And then, or no, or is it the other guy that's doing like the, oh no, he he makes fun of him when he does the Tyrannosaurus Rex or something. I'm going to be a Tyrannosaurus Rex. But uh, but yeah, Jamie Foxx is hilarious in that movie. Where the I, don't, I don't know why. Side note, Jamie Foxx is hilarious in Booty Call. Ruin the gumbo. Ooh, that's a beautiful red snapper. It's wonderful, I guarantee. And uh, there's a little bit of uh, B- Bobby Boucher in uh, in this voice that Odekirk's doing. Are you sure you can take it? I can if you can. Hey, Paul. Great to see you. You asked for it. 
Hello there. Look at your hard shell and find forgiveness. Let us take you on a trip down to Norland's Way, where to put a little extra roux in the gumbo. Woo, <laughs> that's a beautiful red snapper. It's wonderful, I guarantee. Wow, it's, it's like I'm in the bio. Yes, well, I got crawdads in my pants. <laughs> That's not a thing. It's a thing that happens to you when you sit in the bayou. <laughs> Definitely says, Baba Boucher, I, I, I like water. Water's very good. I'm, I'm Baba Boucher. That girl's the devil, Jordy. Jordy. That Kim is the devil. Baba Boucher. Baba Boucher. Oh, I love you guys. I, I love, I love that where your mind goes, Jordy. You, you're just dropping in with the freaking magic, um, slam down comment in the live chat, Jordy. Not only do you have like an amazing name, Jordy the Jedi, I and I'm adding the the. It's just Jordy Jedi, but which is even more succinct. But I add, I add articles when they don't belong. But that's my thing. So. <laughs> that's my thing. Of all the things to have, I uh, I fucking uh, put put extra uh, 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 the articles in. <laughs> Someone's like, article? What the fuck are you talking about? So we come back in there under the covers. They're talking about it. Uh, Jimmy mentions his own practice that he's got to go check out a building, and Kim's like, whatever, <laughs> and gets up and heads to back to work to Mesa Verde for a meeting where she immediately looks like she's not having any fun. She's not having any fun. Fun. 12 months timeline and beyond. We have some breathing room. It's an have a good day at work, Jordy. Thank you for checking on in and hope work flies by and isn't too hectic, my friend. Wyoming. Sounds good. We should talk about Wyoming. Six months is going to go by fast. Listen, but. <laughs> Unless. Kevin, did you? So I, I don't even want to listen to this fucking scene. It, let me sum this shit up to you. Kim can do the business that this guy asks for. This guy is like, uh, can you do this thing, Mahoochie? And Kim's thinking, yeah, I can do it. I don't want to do it, so let me lie. Kim is making excuses like me in 11th grade. Oh, yeah, I can get the project done, but uh, Kim's a slacker here. Whole family slackers. Your mom's a slacker. Your dad's a slacker. If you have babies, they're going to be little slackers. And it's unfeasible. She has an out. She takes it. So Mike's giving Gus an update on what's going on. So let's get into this and then we're going to get back to, because uh, this, this I believe is the end of the Mike situation. So Mike gives a little update, which let's be, Let's be honest here, as I've mentioned before, sometimes things are unsaid in scenes and the words don't fucking matter. David Chase does this a lot in the did this a lot in the Sopranos. What the characters are saying aren't what the characters are saying. And I think there is an undercurrent to this whole discussion between Mike and Gus that is we gotta kill this guy. We gotta kill this guy. It's there, it's in the room. And they both know it. They're talking around it. Gus is a master at playing people. And he's playing Mike to a T. And he, he's acting like or giving Mike a lot of trust. And helping Mike 
discover what he needs to do on his own because to keep him safe and keep his family safe and ingraining himself to Mike. So wonderful play by Gus. Wonderful play by Gus. And Werner. I gave him the come to Jesus. Mike, you don't know my you know my secret. <laughs> I actually got kicked out of school in the eleventh grade for a year. <laughs> Screwed up, he knows it. Said it won't happen. Oh hey there, Amanda Stewart. You make me blush. Amanda, thank you. I can always count on you to give me a blush on a wonderful evening like this. I can't wait till Jimmy finds his strip mall location. And I know it's going to be a great moment. It's going to be a cool little moment. I, I don't always love stuff like that and other prequel stuff. But for this, I that moment when he walks into it uh, is going to feel so good. I know. I can't believe there's only two more episodes. It is ridiculous. Ah. <laughs> so Kim's outside smoking a butt. Oh, no, wait. So Mike gives Gus an update. We need to kill him, but we don't need to kill him. I'm, I'll trust you, Reed. He's dead. So then there's a rodent problem in a hole in the wall as Jimmy's checking it out. And Kick in for small repairs like that. They already took care of the rodent problem. Rodent problem? You asked for small and near court. This is both. And I mean, I can play some of this audio, but I'm just going to talk about it. I'm in a talky kind of mood. So Kim's outside smoking a butt, and she's like, listen, dude. Or And Jimmy basically anticipates... We all have done this too. You think you know what someone's going to say. And we all, or I, except for a couple folks, most people thought that Kim was going a certain direction. And she wasn't. And in this moment, Jimmy thinks again, I ever, I knew this. I mean, I think everyone knew this. You could read, read it on Kim's face and in her body language, the way she's smoking a butt. And she's sitting there just like on, against the wall, looking like a bad, you know, like a bad girl smoking a butt. Yeah, I'm a bad girl. Stephanie was saying while we were watching, it's like, yeah, Kim likes to be bad. I'm like, yeah, she's like, yeah, there she is. And, and, uh, and Jimmy's basically like, yeah, you know, we don't need to do this again. You know, we did this bad thing and it's a one-time thing. You know, I really, I really, really liked it, <laughs> but we don't have to do it again. And Kim, Kim's like, fuck you, dude. We had fun. No, no, we're going to do it again. And then we're going to do it again. And then we're going to do it again and we're going to do it again. It's going to be so much fun. The look on her face is just so deceivious. I, is a, I don't even know if that's a real world. It's devious to, and deception. Like she gets this deceivious look on her face. Like, and I like this. I like this, Kim. I look forward to see this in play in the next episode. This is when shit goes down. We better be ready. Exactly. They, they build things up. They build us up, Buttercup, and then they break us down. But no, they really do. And the way that these seasons of Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad, to a certain extent, are built is really building that, I, I overuse this word, but it's true, the texture of the scenes, the, the, the feeling of caring about these characters, caring about the setup. And then they they punch you in the balls, they 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 really do. They television punch you in the balls. And I'm very much looking forward to where these final two episodes are going to go. And I don't think there's anything I can predict. And that's awesome. So then we go back to Nacho in Zeta's restaurant. And oh, no. 
dun, 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 dun. someone is here and someone is in his restaurant and Eduardo's here and fuck we've heard about this guy he's there he's in there and shit's gonna go down I must admit I cannot wait to see Hector be drawn out and I think this is going to be something that's much more dealt with for next season I think when we're seeing the stuff with Nacho and his crew and the Salamanca stuff and that aspect of it, I think that and the continuing building of the of the warehouse are going to be continuing threads into the next season. It's going to be interesting to see if they find a way to reconnect Mike and Jimmy before the season and just in general in the storyline. I mean, I think Nacho and Jimmy make a lot more sense there are to be connected to again, and I guess that could get Mike and Jimmy involved as well. But I hope we get there soon just because I don't want it to be out of place, but I love those characters together, and I hope we get some more of them in this scene, in this season. I've got a question about felching for filthy issues. <laughs> <laughs> the very last scene with Kim was smoking his very first scene like her and Jimmy in season one. Last two episodes. Kim was so realistic in this episode. If anything can get a girl past being hurt, it's dating in a relationship. It's a fresh, ex- it's fresh excitement in my experience, at least to super. Uh, this is when shit really goes down. Shit goes down. You better be ready. Speaking of the shit going down, let's play a voicemail from our good buddy. Big J and he, see what Big J thought about this episode. Big J's gonna be like, I hated it. it Suck. No, he's he, no, he's not. A bit. If I know Big J is his better call Saul taste, and he's been one of our longtime listeners since we've been doing the recaps here. My uh, or, or the better call Saul recaps. I gotta say, Big J's gonna love this episode. Let's see. Let's see what Big J has to say. Hey, Phil. Hey, Joe, Big J here. Fucking two episodes left, unbelievable, right? And next year should be the last season, but uh, I fucking loved this episode tonight. This was like my favorite, one of my favorite ones oh, of the yes. year. I think it was my favorite one because, uh, to be honest with you, I love fucking strip bars, man. <laughs> Nothing like a little R&R at a strip club, you know? That took me a little bit by surprise. I thought they were going to bring the girls to the place, you know? And uh, I would have loved to see Mike uh, Ermitrock get a fucking lap dance, man. Imagine table, table dance, lap dance, whatever you call it over there. Imagine that visual Mike getting a... Uh, <laughs> Mike enjoying a stripper. He's just sitting there with the look and says, Thank you. Here's your money. <laughs> I'm finished. We say lap dance, you know? But, uh, Thank you, Lindsay. I had to stop myself from from going all the way. When the shit goes down, you better be. When the shit goes down. <laughs> I'm playing everything but the rest of Jay's message. But I, but good. I I'm glad Big Big Jay love loved this episode because again, it was a lot of fun. It was definitely on the high in my top group of episodes this season as well. Uh, you know, he was just saying that. Uh, I think that. Uh... Yeah, I think uh, I think next next up next week a lot. It looks like uh, Kim might get killed. Kim Kim is fucking. See, that's what's Kim must have died because 
she's fucking in. She wants to be like Saul. She wants to be the female Saul. She likes that shit. Jimmy, Jimmy thought it was pushing her away, but she likes it, man. So if she's not there in the break of bad days, then it looks like, uh, yeah, she's going to go. I think a few of those German boys are going to go. And the thing that's a little weird, though, like, because if you remember Breaking Bad, but I guess they really couldn't do anything. Jimmy uh, or Saul was like a happy guy. You know, he wasn't like this depressed guy. And if he lost his girlfriend, his brother, you know, like he didn't seem like he was really like upset. Unless he's just, he is the kind of guy that gets over shit though, like, you know. Or he compartmentalizes it. He he knows how to, and we saw that with Chuck when he's reading the will, and it's like the nicest shit Chuck ever said to him. He's just unemotional. I think Jimmy knows how to shut that shit off and pretend, and it all comes crashing down in the black and white time. Uh, but great, great shit. What was a uh, insane in the membrane? Uh, and listening to this, I feel like insane. <laughs> Pick it back and fire it up as we go on. Get some hits from the box. I'm I'm blanking on some lyrics, so. <laughs> But uh, I love this fucking episode, and uh, I want to hear what you guys got to say. All right. Love you guys, man. Big J, out. Love you, Big J. We got two more Big J messages till the end of the year, and then hopefully we'll get him on Game of Thrones stuff as well. But I agree with almost everything Big J said. I definitely love this episode, and I think it was one of the better ones of the season. Really good shit. Let's take a couple more comments in the live motherfucking chat and then call it a little earlier than usual. No after show silliness tonight. But hey, Jordy, why don't we take a five minute break? Uh, smoke. Yeah, smoke. If you got them, everyone step outside. But no, everyone start to prepare it for post show uh, post show relaxing sandwich. I do need to unfortunately wrap it up as I'm. Uh, Going in for a uh, procedure tomorrow morning to uh, to go get f- fucked by a hose in my throat while I sleep. So it's gonna be fun. <laughs> light speed, light speed's too slow. <laughs> we need ludicrous. Oh wait, wrong one. We so let me do the conclusion here in ludicrous speed. Ludicrous speed, go. Let's not forget when Walt and Jesse are kidnapped Saul in Breaking Bad. He thought it was the cartel and he said it wasn't me. It was Ignacio, Nacho. So Saul and Nacho are definitely going to get into some shit together. I agree. I absolutely agree with that. Good call, Blowfish. So everybody, what have we learned tonight? We've learned nothing. Sorry to make you all stupider. No, I'm kidding. We learned a lot. This is a really great episode of Better Call Saul and a really fun time getting to talk to you guys. Joe will be back next week with us, and hopefully Joe and I will be on sometime this week, perhaps Thursday morning. Joe will be live here as we're doing a tr- a special Game of thrones kind of thing that I don't want to talk too much about. It'll be posted about it soon. Hopefully, it'll be Thursday. If not, it'll be the following week one day. I got to get Joe to come here because we got to watch some shit and react to some shit. So, got to get through that, but expect Joe and I sometime before that. If not, we will definitely be on next Monday for Better Call Saul. And we have one more episode of Better Call Saul. Then The Walking Dead comes back, I think, like the following week after that. 
going to pick up some more shows too. So a lot more fun. If you guys have any questions or comments or want to message me privately, you can do that at I got issues, man at gmail.com. Again, that's I got issues, man at gmail.com. You can also call and leave a voicemail. If you want to get it on the show at 781-990-8509, you can call that number 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Make sure you join on in, help the channel grow, share it with a friend, help us any way you can. It definitely means a lot. Excuse excuse me. I was actually burping there, so I was trying to cover it by fake cries. (laughs) That that was the greatest burp cover of all time. I'm like, I'm crying. I'm suddenly crying. (laughs) But because I'm all over the place all the time, it could actually make sense. Oh, no. Thank you so much, Jeffrey. It's going to be fucking awesome. (laughs) Song is going to be stuck in my head forever Bernie you're amazing tonight Lindsay DJ Jordy Amanda (laughs) oh thank you Amanda (laughs) oh my goodness how can I how can I how can I walk through this without being uh enjoying this enjoying this way too much Amanda But no, you can find us many different ways. You can reach out to us. Uh, you can find me on Facebook if you look at Phil's Recap and Review or The Issues Guy. Find me on Twitter at I Got Issues Man. Make sure you all say hi. <laughs> Lots of other ways to find us. So if you haven't already and you enjoyed this video, please hit the like button. Please hit the subscribe button. Share the channel with a friend. And yeah, enough of that. We'll be back next week two more fucking episodes of Better Call Saul. It's going to be like day to night going from the uh, Better Call Saul to the Walking Dead after. I don't know. I'm I'm hoping for the best. (laughs) I know Luigi's going to take one step and then again. Let's do the Mario all together now. Hey.
You guys are still here? The show's over. Go home. It's over.